as a people to hear from you the message of this hour, the message of the day for the week. We ask you, Lord, that you would speak to us individually by the Holy Spirit through your word, as only you can do, as only your word can do, to bring to us a right now word from the Lord. And so we ask you for this and thank you for it. Paul called it utterance in the Holy Ghost. And that's what we desire today. Not to hear a man or see a man, but to hear and see Jesus. And we ask for this and thank you for the results that will come from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 2023 is for us a year of breakthroughs and blessings. That's what the Lord spoke to my heart to share with you as a church. Those who are connected to this ministry, those who are part of what God is doing here, that you can expect 2023 to be a year of breakthroughs and blessings. And to have supernatural breakthroughs and supernatural blessings. And you do understand what we mean by that. We don't mean that you, you got lucky. We don't mean that you just somehow found something that you didn't realize you'd put it away or just some natural coincidence. Now we're really talking about a supernatural God thing that happens in our lives that brings us to another place. That we end up not where we started or even behind, but we've jumped ahead. A breakthrough. And blessings that manifest in our lives that could not come any other way but through the supernatural power of God. We all know, to some extent at least, and we don't want to dwell there, but we know our weaknesses and we know some about our limitations. But God is never bound by those things. The heroes of the Bible had plenty of limitations. Some of the greatest heroes of Scripture did worse things than you've ever done in your life. Some of the greatest miraculous stories in the Bible didn't start out in a strong atmosphere of faith, but actually began in a situation that looked almost hopeless and helpless. But you see, the supernatural power of God can bring you from those places to the place of blessing where God wants you to be. And so we are teaching at this particular time about a breakthrough, how to have breakthroughs in your faith. Because the Lord began to deal with me that in order to have breakthroughs in general and to have blessings in general, we've got to also have a breakthrough in our faith. I didn't know how long it would take. I still don't know how long we might be on this topic. But I know that the Holy Spirit wants us to camp here long enough that we have, for some, a refresher course. For others, new revelation and new insight. And hopefully, for all of us, some uh, new insight that maybe we had never seen before. And so our, our text that we are looking at is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 is the first uh, three that we've uh, begun to look at, and also we jumped over to verse 6. And uh, I'm reading from the uh, CEV, the Contemporary English Version. That's what I'll read from first, and then I'll read from the King James, and I'll read the first three 
verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Wait a minute, that's the wrong version. I didn't think that sounded right. Here we go. That was good, but listen to this one. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Because of our faith, or we might say it this way, because we have faith, we know that the world was made at God's command. We also know that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. Now we'll jump down to verse 6 since we have already referred to it a number of times in these teachings and read that verse 2. But without faith, no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and rewards everyone who searches for him. Now from the King James, beginning with verse 1 down through verse 3 and then on to verse 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith... We understand. Notice there's some things you'll never understand unless you choose to believe God. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. But without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It pleases God when we believe him enough to act on what he has said. That is a very simple but very powerful definition of faith, is believing God enough to act on what he said. There are two types of unbelief. We've learned about that in prior lessons. These two types of unbelief will rob you of that ability to please God. It'll rob you of the ability to use your faith and receive through your faith. The first one is the unbelief of ignorance, meaning that we don't know the will of God. And as we often say, quoting from F.F. Bosworth, great healing preacher of yesteryear, faith begins where the will of God is known. You can't believe past your actual knowledge of what you know to be the will of God, and the only place to find that knowledge is in His Word. It's never in your feelings, your emotions. It's certainly never in your circumstances or the way that things look. So the first kind of unbelief, ignorance of the Word or the will of God is really fixable, curable, very simply. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The second kind of unbelief is referred to in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, for instance, as being an evil thing. Now, why is it evil? Because it's a choice to refuse to act 
on what God's Word says. It's an act of the will to disregard what God said. It is, in essence, to pay God the highest or lowest, however you maybe is appropriate to say it, kind of insult that there is. To, as it were, look God in the face and say, I know what you said, and I know you're God. And in Israel's case, when they came up to the promised land refusing to go in, they could also have said, and we've seen your miracles and your mighty power. But we don't believe that this one's going to work, God. And so we refuse to go in and take the land. It cost that generation their lives, all except two who didn't have that attitude, Joshua and Caleb. It caused the plan of God for Israel to be set back 40 years. And what we maybe don't often think about is that in 40 years' time, those nations in Canaan grew stronger and increased in number. It would have been easier had they went in 40 years earlier. But it was the choice not to go that God called an evil heart of unbelief. But even if we're guilty in that area, in any area of life, where we are just hesitant and even to the point of refusing to act on what God has said, it too is fixable. It's curable. But this one takes more than just a knowledge of the word, because this kind of unbelief comes after people have heard the word. This one involves a choice to act on the word. This is the choice that every person faces when they get into their adult life, or even before they're in adult life, if they have good parents like you were hearing the teaching on Wednesday night, that you're being, you're being taught even as a kid, you need to give, you need to tithe. You make a choice. And on and on and on it goes. We make choices to do the Word of God. And so many times these choices are made in the midst of circumstances that seem unfavorable. Have you ever noticed that God's timing is, at times, very inconvenient for us? That he asks things of us, requires us to do things, that it seems this is not the best time. I remember when we went... Uh, full-time in ministry, that will be 43 years ago, this July the 1st. And all those many years ago, that was the, one of the biggest decisions that I ever made in my entire life. We married very young. We had our children very young. You know, I mean, I, I know, you know, we look pretty good for 100. But, we, you know, we've been around a while. No, I'm kidding. But you understand that uh, we got an early start. I had one fellow tell me one time, he said, well, you know, he said, you're having your fun now. He said, I had my fun on the front end. So he was, you know, quite a bit older before he had his children. But uh, anyway, how many of you know it all is fun? <laughs> Enjoy whatever season you're in. But that was the biggest, uh, certainly the biggest financial decision, the biggest career decision that 
we ever made. And I didn't make it because I just wanted to or because I thought that sounded interesting. I made it because of the call of God in my life. And so we had just, not all that long before this, gotten, I'd just gotten a good job. We had good pay. We had good benefits. And, uh, you know, uh, I, you know I, I, my job was okay. Was, you know, I didn't hate going to work. I know that sounds strange when you're a coal miner. But anyway, coal miners are a different breed. And so all the coal miners could say amen, even if they're not all here today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we had just gotten to the place where we kind of had a nostril above the water. We weren't drowning. We weren't going under. And so it came time to make a decision to serve the Lord. Full time in ministry. And this was not convenient. It didn't seem like the best time. But God has been faithful. And God has made a way. And I would not undo that. I have no complaints. God has been good. And my whole point in telling that story is you can look at us and tell we have not starved. You can look at us and tell that we're blessed. We're happy. We're happier than we've ever been. God is a wonderful, good God and a great provider. So I'm telling you that because I want you to understand that when you choose to act on the Word of God and you choose to act on the will of God for your life, He will never, ever take away from you His blessing. I didn't say you'll never have a struggle. I never said you'll, you'll never have a test. But I'm saying that your faith will carry you through and God will always take you further and bless you greater than you've ever been blessed before if you will just trust Him and act on His Word. Amen. And so the Bible tells us in Mark 10, 27 that with God all things are possible. And we all believe that. I don't know of a Christian anywhere that would argue with that Scripture. But you know that Mark 9, the chapter just before, and verse 23 also says this. All things are possible to him that believes. So if unbelief is fixable, and it is, both kinds, and all things are possible if I believe, then that means for me all things are possible. That means there is nothing impossible. There is nothing incurable. There is nothing hopeless. Nothing helpless. Because I choose to believe God. And I encourage you today, choose to believe Him. You may hear the Word and you may hear a Scripture or you may read a Scripture and come across it. <clears throat> And it may look like it is the most impossible thing in all the world that you could ever have what that word says. But God didn't say it to you to tease you, torment you, or to somehow play a game with you. He gave you that word so that you could choose to believe it and act on it and receive the benefits of it. Your life is getting ready to change. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, you're getting ready to change. Hallelujah. And this whole teaching is about how to get to that place and how to have that kind of change. There are two things that God has given to man in a form of authorization. God has authorized us 
not only these two things, but there are two things I want to point out today that God has authorized us to be able to do or to make a choice for. Number one, you and I always get to choose what we believe. You always get to choose what you believe. Somebody said, well, I, I thought I couldn't help it. No, you can help it. You just make choices to believe what God has said or you choose to believe something else. And the way you make the, the primary way you make that choice is in what you hear. The Word of God has the power in it to produce faith. That means, now listen carefully to what I'm going to say, that to hear God's Word is to believe them. You don't have to grunt, groan, strain, pull strings, pull, push buttons, or pull levers. You just choose to hear God's word. Faith comes. So God has authorized us to choose what we believe. Even Adam in the garden, you know, had that choice. That's why he fell, because he made the wrong choice. But man has the choice of what we believe. And number two, he's authorized us to choose what we speak. I know animals make noises, and it seems that perhaps there's some degree of uh, intuition, perhaps communication of some sort between certain animals and so forth, but only man has been given the ability to choose and speak words forming language that is understandable and comprehensible. And these two things, the choice of what you believe and the choice of what you say, will always determine what kind of life you're going to have. If you don't like the way things are today, the first place you need to start changing is what you're saying. And what you're saying needs to align with what God is saying. Only man has been given the authority to choose and speak words that contain spiritual substance. Words, as we know them, are containers. They hold life or death, blessing or cursing, fear or faith, love or hate. Words are containers. You express yourself in your words what you say, and your words are a choice based on what you believe. I remember one time doing a wedding, not here, this was many years ago, but I remember doing a wedding, and uh, as is customary, the wedding was over and the guests were mostly gone, and so they wanted some pictures with the, of the bride and groom and the wedding party and so on and so forth, and I remember they had some candles over on the side near a piano that was on the platform. And, uh, you know, it was one of these big candelabra deals. They were all lit. And so this girl, she, uh, this young lady, she had, um, you know, pretty good head of hair. You do know hair's wasted on some people, don't you? But anyway, I'm not necessarily saying it. I'm not saying it about her. But uh, anyway, she had this lot of hair. And lo and behold, she got into the candle and caught her hair on fire. Well, that was bad enough, but we're in church, and she rips out this cuss word when she saw that her hair was on fire. Now, you know why a bridesmaid in a beautiful gown with her hair all fixed 
would cuss in church just because her hair caught on, on fire. Why did she would do that? You know why? Because that's what was in her heart. That was the language she used. And humans have that ability to speak and choose their words. But when you choose long enough and you believe in a certain direction, it gets into your heart. And Jesus taught us that from the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. What was in her heart came out that day. What's coming out of your mouth? And you know, church is not the best place to, to do this test. Most people act pretty good in church. Most people don't cuss in church. Amen. But what about the next time somebody just absolutely ticks you off? What about the next time he does that again? You know, men spend uh, their older days saying, what? And they spend their younger days saying, what? <laughs> and about the time they learn what, it's what? <laughs> so anyway, that's all free. From the abundance of the heart. The, are you listening, Michael? From the abundance of the heart. From the, from, the, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in you is what's coming out. And so, to hear God's word is to believe God's word. And then to speak his word. This is so important to us. To speak the word of God is the greatest authorization that God has ever given to mankind. It is, in many ways, one of our greatest likenesses to God. We were created in His image and after His likeness. And no, we aren't gods. We're not sovereign. But we were born of God, and we are authorized by God to speak His words after Him. And this is one of the greatest gifts God ever gave to you and to me, was the right, the authorization, the ability to choose and speak our words and align them with what He says to speak our faith to speak our faith now Jesus reiterated this principle to us and taught us about it in the gospels in the book of Mark chapter 11 so would you turn back there with me this morning Mark chapter 11 how could we talk about this aspect of faith without going to Mark 11 I mean that would just that just doesn't make sense does it we've got to go there Mark chapter 11 and, of course, you know the story here. Jesus had cursed the fig tree. It wasn't, Jesus didn't go on some tirade cussing. But he had simply spoken to the fig tree, No man eat fruit on, of you hereafter forever. In essence, he gave it a death sentence. He cursed the tree. And you know the miraculous story, how that overnight, when they come back by it again the next day, the disciples noted that this tree now was dried up from the roots. Well, if you know anything about trees, you know that trees don't die overnight. They, they, they begin to drop leaves usually slowly, and, and it's, sometimes it's a while before you know that it's gone. I remember when we, we built a house 
back in the mid-90s, and I remember one of the trees I wanted to keep on the lot was a big hickory tree. But somehow or another, we had damaged the roots, and so after about a year or so of being there, we realized this tree's not going to live. So it took a long time. We had to cut it down. And so when these disciples saw this tree dried up from the roots overnight, they knew this is supernatural. And they obviously would have, were impressed. Wouldn't you be? I mean, wouldn't you be impressed? If I, you know, if I spoke to this plastic bush over here and, and said, die and go away, and then you came in here. I mean, even if it wasn't overnight, if you came in here on Wednesday and it was just all melted away, you'd be impressed. Well, Jesus impressed the disciples, but when, when um, they were talking about it the next day, he went even a step further. And he said in verse 22, have faith in God. Or you might have a translation that says have the faith of God. Or have the God kind of faith. So that means the faith he's talking about that we're, uh, we're supposed to have is the kind of faith that only comes from God. And he says in verse 23, he goes on to say... For verily, and that's old English meaning truly, I say unto you. And have you ever thought about why would Jesus ever say, I'm telling you the truth? He never did lie. Nobody ever knew of him to lie. So obviously he's saying this for emphasis. For truly, in other words, I say unto you that whosoever, say that includes me. You see, if the whosoever of Mark eleven twenty three 23 includes, let's say it this way, if the whosoever of John three sixteen includes everybody, then the whosoever of Mark eleven twenty three 23 must also include everybody. Whosoever shall say, notice one time he mentions saying here, say unto this mountain, in other words, you're impressed with the tree, let me tell you about something even bigger. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, or his spirit nature we know, but shall believe, there's the word believe. So we're seeing the foundations of faith, believing and speaking. But shall believe that those things which he saith, there's that word say again in some form, shall come to pass... He shall have whatsoever he saith. So whosoever shall say. Now the first say was Jesus speaking. The other three words, say or saith, have to do with you saying something. Notice he mentions the saying part of this God kind of faith three times. He mentions the believing how many times? Once. And it's a universal truth you'll find in 2023 among God's people. If they're serious Bible students and they really are honest before God, their problem isn't their believing in the Word of God. So many, many times that's not the real issue. The issue is their saying. It's what they say or what they don't say. Because faith is released by believing 
I mean, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, and then faith is released when we speak the Word of God and act on the Word of God. Now, he talks about a mountain here. We could, we could, I think, all agree probably that basically this mountain represents any impossible natural situation. Your mountain might be a doctor's report. Your mountain might be... Uh, what you're seeing when you check your bank balance. Your mountain might be a situation in your family. Your mountain could be a mental issue. Any number of things could be a mountain for you. And Jesus says here to us that if we will learn to operate properly in faith, that we can move the mountain. And I don't believe that he was talking about just move it over into the next town or county, or state. But actually, he says, you know, you shall uh, speak to this mountain and be cast into the sea. Meaning that it will be completely swallowed up and there will be no memory of it. I like Nahum 1.9. This affliction shall not arise again the second time. God brings healing to your body. You don't have to have it again. I know the doctors say, well, you might have this again. It could come back. We're not sure. And all this, that, and the other that they tell you. But God says this affliction shall not arise again the second time. That's my confession. That's my confession. Hallelujah. And so there's no knowledge that it even existed. That's what happens when the mountain goes into the sea. And notice it is all about believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. Now, it's important that he said, believe in your heart. He didn't say, believe in your head. I hope this helps somebody today because I feel like I must say this. Faith works even when your head doesn't. Amen. You can have all kinds of thoughts bombarding your mind. The devil will see to it. I'm convinced, you may or may not agree, but I'm convinced even sometimes the devil will try to strategically place things in front of you to, pr to produce doubt. That he will try his best to try to, to uh, position somebody in, in your life to tell you why it won't work, it can't work, it didn't work for them, or it didn't work for somebody that they knew. It's kind of like, you know, your phone listens to you. And you can talk about certain things and those ads begin to pop up. Well, that's just a little natural picture of what the power of computing can do based on the truth that that's exactly the way the devil works. He sees you going after the things of God. He's going to try to strategically place people and information in front of you to discourage you. And Jesus also in Mark 4 taught us about the parable of the sower likening the seed to the word of God. He said that the first thing that happens in the four attempts that the devil makes, or the, I mean the four kinds of soil, three of those attempts that the devil makes to try to steal the word and keep it from coming to a harvest, the first one was he comes immediately to steal the word. Why does he do that? Because it's easier to steal the word in the beginning than after you've meditated on it and spoken it so long. 
See, there are certain things the devil really just almost never bothers me with because he knows it's foolish. It's a waste of his time. It's never going to work. Those are the things that I am firmly established in. Those are things that I have lived through and proven, and they work. And so he's never going to be able to take that word from me. But when we first hear a truth, whether it's the truth about healing or the truth about prosperity, the truth about a great marriage, a great family, whatever that truth may be, he comes immediately to steal. I mean, just think about this. And, and you can please go along with me. My hand will be up as well. How many of you, after you were born again, shortly thereafter, did the devil ever tell you you weren't really saved? How many of you, when you got filled with the Holy Ghost and you began to speak with other tongues, did the devil ever tell you that's not really real, that's not tongues? See, look around when, when I ask those questions. Because what you see is the devil doesn't have any new tricks. He's not creative. And so therefore he always comes with the same stuff. Well, the first thing he does when we hear a truth that we really need, a truth that's from God sent to us to change our lives, the first thing he does is to come immediately to steal that word from us. It's a whole lot easier to pull an acorn out of the ground than it is to deal with with a 60-foot-tall, 35-year-old oak tree. And so that's what the devil's about. He's about getting that seed. And as you go on and read in Mark 4 in the parable of the sower, he uses these various ways to get us off track and get us off the Word of God. But if you will stay with the Word of God, if you will continue to believe what God has said, which will only happen because you're continually hearing what God has said, and then you too will say what God has said. Your faith will be strong enough to overcome any obstacle. Now, I want to close today in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This uh, particular passage reveals to us what the Word calls the spirit of faith. It's so powerful and so important. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and uh, verse number 13 it begins by saying this. And now remember, we've, we've, um, we've looked at Israel's experiences in the Old Testament to see, to some degree, how faith works. We've looked at Jesus' teaching about how faith works. And now we're reading from Paul's writings about how faith works. And you'll notice it is always the same. It's believing in your heart. And confessing with your mouth. As a matter of fact, that's how you were born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10. But verse four, uh, 13 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians says, We, and Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and through the Holy Spirit he writes to us. So he's, he's talking to us. Everybody say we. we. So we're not reading about some group of people 2,000 years ago only. Or some other group of people somewhere else in the world today. We're reading about us. We having, we're not trying to get it, we're not hoping for it, it's not some have it and some don't, some wish they had it and the others don't, it's we having the same spirit of faith. Now let's stop just a moment to point out, this is a quote from Psalm 116.10, I mean that he's, uh, he, he's, he's speaking this verse, he's getting ready to quote from this verse, Psalm 116.10. And the author of Psalm 116.10, the human author, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is David. 
So we're talking about the same spirit of faith David had. Now, how many of you would agree David had some great victories in his life? And I know that David was not perfect. I know that David made some mistakes. But it's amazing that even in spite of his mistakes and in spite of some of the tendencies that he obviously had, that when he used his faith, God honored his faith. And we know the great story of David slaying Goliath, and that's one of the, one of the most uh, well-known of all Old Testament stories of David slaying Goliath. But sometimes what we have a tendency to forget is that before he ever stood before Goliath, he had already slain a lion that came to attack his father's sheep. And not just the lion, but he'd also slain a bear that came to attack his father's sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but if they told me there's a bear right outside the door, I'll stay in the house, thank you very much. <laughs> if they said there's a lion out in your yard, I'd call somebody. <laughs> but David didn't. He didn't have that option. He didn't have that luxury. And we know that for that to happen in ancient times, to be able to kill those two ferocious animals that were obviously hungry, that's why they were hanging around the sheep, he had to have an anointing that come upon him. The power of God had to come upon him. And why was the anointing so readily available? Why? Because he had a spirit of faith. If you want the anointing of God to do what only it can do, drive out sickness and disease, drive out the, the, the work the devil has done, enable you and empower you to do the supernatural and to do what God's called you to do, you have got to connect to the spirit of faith. And it's not a different spirit. It's really the same spirit that David had. And he explains what, how it works. And he says, according as it is written, so he's getting ready to quote from Psalm 116.10, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. And then Paul adds, we also believe, and therefore speak. That's the way it works. It's not just speaking, it's not just believing. You know, the devil doesn't care what you believe as long as you never say anything about it. The devil doesn't care what you believe as long as you never act on it. And, and, and really the devil doesn't care what you say as long as you don't believe it. I mean, just listen to the news. Listen to politicians. Why do you not care about what they say? Because you don't believe what they say. And sadly, many of them don't believe what they say. Well, I could really meddle there. But I'll refrain. But the point is... If you believe and you speak that which you believe, that is operating in the spirit of faith. So what I want to close with today, and we're not done with this subject, but what I want to close with is, is a statement that I think we need to hear. If you don't like what your life is like in any area, change what you're saying to align it with what God says. Because none of us 
regardless of how dedicated, consecrated, and sanctified you live, none of us will ever rise above the level of our confession. You'll never get above that. No wonder Hebrews 4.14 and Hebrews 10.23 tells us to hold fast to our profession. The word profession, the word confession in the New Testament English Bible translated from the same word. We're not talking about the confession of sin. That's a different thing. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We're talking about the profession or confession of our faith. And he tells us in Hebrews 4.14 and Hebrews 10.23 to hold fast to it. Hold fast to it. Amen. Let's see. I'm looking here. All right, Trey, come up here. I want to, I want to bless you. Come up here. I want you to help me. Come on. I'm not going to embarrass you. You'll be glad when this is over. Let's give Trey a good hand. Just baptized a couple of weeks ago. Come on up here. Now cooperate with me, okay. and it'll bless you. Okay. All right. I want you to take that away from me. What am I doing? Holding fast. Now, try it again. You better go sit down. Uh, amen. Now, the devil's trying to take your stuff. He's trying to take what belongs to you. He's trying to take good things from you. God says the way that doesn't happen is when you hold fast. The reason you have to hold fast is because there's somebody trying to take it from you. This confession business is so important that the devil will do almost anything he possibly can to Take your confession away. So hold fast. And also Hebrews 3.1 says that Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our profession. You say, what does that mean? That means as he functions as our priest at the right hand of the Father in heaven today. Just like the Old Testament saints brought their sacrifices. They brought their lambs. They brought their sheep. They brought their cattle. And they brought those things and to offer to God, you, you know if you read your Bible, they didn't just go up and do it on their own any old way. They brought it to the priests. And the priests had instructions on how they were to slaughter the animal and to cut it up and all the rest to offer it. Well, the same thing is true. We have a priest. And he wants to be and is the priest of your profession or your confession. And so, therefore, we need to offer it appropriately. And, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but if you can just imagine this in this thought. It's like Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father looking down on us today and saying, Would you all give me something to work with here? I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to give you long life. I'm trying to give you health. I'm trying to prosper you. I've got good plans for you. Would you give me something to work with? What do you give your priest today to work with? You give him a profession, a confession of faith that you won't let go of. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, I believe God. I'm not moved by how I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by the word of men. I am blessed be God moved only by what he says in his word. And as I declare that word and return it to him, Isaiah 55, he has something to work with. 
And so the degree of blessing in your life that you have from God is because you've given him something to work with in that area. Let's give him more. Let's increase that. Amen? You're not going to bankrupt heaven. You're not going to disappoint him. You're going to make him happy when you get these things in your spirit to the point that you're doers of the word. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we're so grateful today. We're so thankful today for your word. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice right now, whether here or watching online, anybody that would be outside the place of fellowship with you, not born again or a backslider, I pray that they would call right now upon the Lord, that they in a repentant attitude from their sins would say, Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, and come into my life. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that he rose again from the dead. And I believe that he's coming again. And I receive and take you now, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. I confess you as my Lord. And I'll serve you all the days of my life. And I give you praise for it. And I give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.